Welcome to the Faith at Work Sermon Podcast. I'm Pastor Jim Melvin. Each week I turn to Scripture for lessons that we can apply to life. There's plenty going on in our homes, our workplaces, our nation, and our world to give us things to talk and think seriously about. So let's get on with the conversation. All around us, we see a lot of bad behavior. We see people in our community committing crimes and harming others in every imaginable way. You may run into people behaving rudely, unethically, and even illegally in your workplace. Unfortunately, we see world leaders and our own government representatives behaving badly. It's as if these bad actors do not know right from wrong. Or if they do, they don't seem to care. But what about you? Do you know right from wrong? Or do you ever think about it? Maybe you just assume that you do right. After all, you're a good person. If you do think about it, how do you know right from wrong? Is it something you learned? Or something you were born with? Let's do a little historical biblical journey through our relationship with right and wrong. From the very beginning, God has prescribed limits and laws for human beings to follow, right and wrong. God's first laws for Adam and Eve were simple. Well, in fact, there was only one. In Genesis 2, 1-17, we read, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, You may freely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall die. Eat of the tree? Wrong. Don't eat of the tree? Right. Well, we know how that worked out. Adam and Eve, having been tempted by Satan, could not follow that one simple rule. God kicked them out of the Garden of Eden and thus began the tumultuous relationship between humanity and God. The existence of that innate rebelliousness was drummed into me each Sunday morning of my youth when our Lutheran church we recited this confession together at the beginning of our service. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your punishment, both now and in eternity. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. So what was God to do with us sinners? What is God to do with us sinners? At one point, God decided that the only answer was to wipe out all the human beings from the face of the earth with a flood and start over. Fortunately, a man named Noah caught God's eye 
and so God determined that he would save Noah and his family to repopulate the earth. But, as I'm sure you know, that didn't work out so well either. God's children fell quickly back into sin and disobedience. Well, after generations of putting up with human shenanigans, countless examples of human rebellion and divine retribution, God summoned Moses to the top of Mount Sinai to lay out once and for all how to tell right from wrong. He wrote ten laws in stone, literally. And he elaborated on those a bit. In all, the Old Testament records 613 laws from God. But those Ten Commandments stand today as a timeless, universal moral code. This code and others like it are instilled in the minds of children as part of religious instruction and faith communities of all flavors around the world. And they've transcended the bounds of organized religion and stand at the root of many secular governments and laws, including our own. Well, Jesus came upon the scene in Israel thousands of years after Moses and those laws, and many devout religious people thought that he'd come to do with, away with all those religious rules and regulations. Jesus set them straight. He said to them, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets, I have come not to abolish, but to fulfill. Very truly, I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not one letter, not one stroke of a letter, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Here ends the reading. Jesus came not to abolish the law, but to set up an even stricter law. Well, more about that stricter law later. But for now, let's acknowledge that the law works. For most of us, the laws that we follow have been codified by civil authorities instead of religious institutions. The exception of that would be in some Islamic governments where religious laws have enforcement power in secular, secular life. In fact, religious life and secular life, secular life are not separated. But religious or secular aside, I have been taught to be a law-abiding citizen. My parents taught me to respect and in some cases fear the law. And at first, also, I had to learn the law, like everybody. I had to learn the rules. I'm a law-abiding citizen, at least in everyday matters, not because I consciously think of the possible harm I might cause if I break the law, because, but because I don't want to endure the embarrassment of being caught and the cost of paying a fine. When I'm driving down the road, I keep my cruise control set within a range that will not get me a ticket. And even then, I slow down when I see a highway patrol car by the side of the road and check my rearview mirror after I passed. I don't stop to consider that my speeding might be a safety hazard and that I might hurt someone in an accident. If I reflected upon it, I might. 
but I assume I'm under control of my vehicle. But the law is there to remind me that I'm not always. When I learned to drive, all I had to do to learn what was right and what was wrong was memorize the driver's manual from the DMV. Laws secular and religious tell me clearly what is right and wrong. Sometimes I might not obey them, but I don't have an excuse for knowing what they are. The prophet Jeremiah saw early on that the written law was superficial and inadequate. It was possible to find shortcuts so that the letter of that law could be obeyed while satisfying one's selfish desires. That was going to change one day, said Jeremiah. He said, The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with my house of Israel and the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant that I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, a covenant they broke, though I was their husband, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law within them. I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. No longer shall they teach one another or say to each other, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and remember their sin no more. Here ends the reading. The new expression of the law would not be written on stone or papyrus or paper. It would be written on people's hearts. This new law would not have to be taught. Every person would be born with the knowledge of God's laws. Psychologists would call this conscience, an inborn knowledge of good and evil. The conscience is not taught, but it's innate. Jiminy Cricket sang about the conscience in the movie Pinocchio. Take the straight and narrow path, Jiminy sang, and if you start to slide, give a little whistle, give a little whistle, and let your conscience be your guide. No, let your conscience be your guide didn't come from the Bible. It came from the mouth of Jiminy Cricket. The implication is that when Pinocchio became a real boy, he inherited a conscience. The knowledge of right and wrong comes with being human. But Pinocchio isn't a religious story. Evolutionary scientists would tell us that conscious, conscience evolved for the preservation of the species, species, to put a check on our own selfish desires that would lead us to harm each other and eventually do each other in. Social scientists would say that human conscience allows societies to function and survive. The religious understanding of the conscience is a bit different. In the Protestant Christian tradition, Martin Luther insisted in the Diet of Worms that his conscience was captive to the Word of God, and it was neither safe nor right to go against the conscience. John Calvin saw conscience as a battleground. The enemies who rise up in our conscience against his kingdom and hinder his decrees prove that God's throne is not firmly established therein. Many Christians regard following one's conscience 
as important as or even more important than obeying human authority. A Christian view of conscience might be, God gave us our conscience so we would know when we break his law. The guilt we feel when we do something wrong tells us that we need to repent and we need to respect God. Well, with the conscience, we're right back to Adam and Eve again. Because they ate from the tree, they gained the knowledge of good and evil. They knew right from wrong. The knowledge is a curse in that from the, that moment on, God would hold them accountable and us accountable for our sins. Ignorance of good and evil is no longer a viable excuse. We know. Well, that brings us back to the role of Jesus in all of this. Jesus was constantly fighting with the religious proponents of following the law. Take this famous exchange Jesus has with a group of law-minded Pharisees. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment is of the law is the greatest? And he said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and prophets. But you see, this is more than just a condensation of the Ten Commandments. This is a new law, the law of love. If in every action we are expressing love for God and neighbor, we will automatically be doing right and avoiding wrong. Always act out of love, and we will be fulfilling the higher standard of the law that we saw Jesus espouse earlier. We will be fulfilling the law. Sometimes the law of love will trump the written law and justice. Here's a story where Jesus illustrates the law of love from the Gospel of Matthew. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what's not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him or his companions to eat, but only for the priests. And he left that place and entered their synagogue. A man was there with a withered hand, and they asked him, they asked Jesus, Is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath? So they might accuse him, and he said, Suppose one of you has only one sheep and it falls into a pit on the Sabbath. Will you not lay hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable is a human being than a sheep? So it is lawful to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and it was restored, as sound as the other. But the Pharisees went out and conspired against him how to destroy him. So how do we know right from wrong? We know right from wrong when the laws that God has communicated to us through the scripture are given to us. We know right from wrong because God has written it on our hearts. 
And most importantly, we know right from wrong because Jesus Christ has taught us, has shown us to love. Even though we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, as God's children, we will always strive to avoid the wrong and do what is right because we love. Then we are truly children of God. Amen. Thank you for joining me today. May God fill your heart with love so that you do what is right. And may God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you. May God look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. <laughs>